Welcome to Reconciling Grace, a program where church leaders discuss various topics from the Bible. During the discussions, there may or may not always be agreement from every panel member on every point, but there is full agreement on the fact that the way to God the Father is through the reconciling grace of Jesus Christ. This is Pete Vecchi, and I'm welcoming you to another episode of Reconciling Grace here on faithandfriendsradio.com. Joining me on today's panel are Steve Wilson. Steve is a Christian author who has a Master's of Divinity degree from United Theological Seminary in Dayton. Mick Wells is with us. Mick has been a member of Wells of Salvation Ministries since 1980. He's also one of the co-hosts of the Cross Connection radio program. And we also have with us Vicki Cundiff. Vicki is one of the staff pastors at Countryside Church of the Nazarene in Lebanon, Ohio. And Vicki is the one who's going to be leading our discussion today, and we're going to be talking about baptism. So Vicki, why don't you tell us what you have planned for us today? Okay, I thought we'd, we'd start off by remembering our own baptism. Uh, as I was studying all this, it just kind of reminded me of mine. And uh, I was baptized in the Ohio River, and it occurred to me even today that that would have been 30 years ago this month. Uh, I don't know what day it was, you know, in July, uh, but I grew up over in southeastern Ohio, and so there's this little town, Racine, uh, Ohio, and it was just down by the river. I think there was maybe seven of us that day uh, that were baptized, and just a beautiful day and a beautiful service. Um, just a beautiful time. So they didn't Good have memory. to crack the ice or anything on they that day? They did not. Oh, I guess not in July. No. I, I was saved in the winter, but, you know, they had the baptismal service in the summer, fortunately. <laughs> <laughs> uh, would anyone else like to share the time they were baptized? Well, I was 12, and uh, it was kind of the part of my maturing in the faith and, and taking an act of obedience. Uh, not sure that I really understood everything, but I knew that I was supposed to be baptized, and uh, I had genuine faith, uh, so I took that step, but there's a funny story involved with my baptism. I was uh, in the bathroom getting changed into my baptismal robe and uh, using the facilities at the same time. I turned around to flush the toilet. My glasses flew off, (laughs) went down the toilet, went rattling around, all through the church pipes. And uh, my dad, who's not a Christian, was there for my baptism. I thought, whew, I better just go ahead and get this baptism over before I tell him anything. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, my baptism was a little colored by uh, the fear of punishment (laughs) afterward. I don't know if anybody's going to beat that one. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I recall, um, not sure what mom and dad did with me as an infant. My memory isn't too good of those days. But uh, around 12 years old, my dad, who was a Methodist minister, he, uh, I was 12, he came up to me and says, uh, you need to be baptized. And I said, well, okay. So he sprinkled me in front of the congregation of, of the Methodist church in a little town in uh, northeast Ohio. But I have to tell you, and, and I don't know if you want to get into debate on this, that uh, I recommitted my life to Jesus in the 1980s, and in the early 1980s I was baptized again as a <clears throat> as a adult and gave my testimony to the congregation in, in a church in Fairborn, Ohio, and uh, 
I remember that coming from the heart and not exactly as a result of direction from my father. So uh, that's my story. But you felt the need to do that. Absolutely did. Because you'd rededicated your life. Right. And I'm a believer in that. Great. Because of what baptism represents, the symbolism of our salvation, you know. Yes, uh, and uh, I've never regretted that. Yeah, that's great. Well, let's get to the scriptures. You know, uh, baptism is mentioned um, early in the New Testament. All four of the Gospels um, talk about a man named John who later became known as the Baptist, John the Baptist, uh, because of his ministry of baptizing people. And up until this time, there had been no prophet in Israel for 400 years. And now God had sent John. The Bible lets us know that. He had sent John. Uh, and all by, the Gospels speak of how uh, uh, the prophecy of his coming through Isaiah. And we're going to get to some scriptures about that. So let's look at the Gospel of Mark, uh, how it opens with the story of John the Baptist. Um, so someone want to read 1, 1 through 5. Mick, I believe that's you. Yes. Um, the... Um prologue to this says John the Baptist prepares the way and the word says the beginning of the gospel about Jesus Christ the Son of God it is written in Isaiah the prophet I will send you my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way a voice of one calling in the desert prepare the way for the Lord make straight paths for him and so John came baptizing in the desert region and preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. Okay, then Steve, if you have John 1, 6 through 9. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Okay, then one day some of the priests and Levites came and asked John who he was. He was out in the desert and he was baptizing and preaching the truth of the word. And and, uh, some of them thought that he was the Messiah. Some thought, hey, are you Elijah the prophet that's come back? And and so in verse 23 of that same chapter, he, he said, John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the desert, make straight the way for the Lord. And so that kind of lets us know that he knew he was the fulfillment of that prophecy. You know, all four of the Gospels, as I said, spoke of that prophecy, but he testified that I am that voice uh, calling in the desert. And then that leads us to, to Pete, if you want to read 1, 25 through 34. Sure, and actually I'm going to start with 24 because this just goes on to say now some of the Pharisees who had been sent questioned him, why then do you baptize if you are not the Christ or Elijah nor the prophet? I baptize with water, John replied, but among you stands one who you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. All this happened at Bethany on the other side of the Jordan where John was baptizing. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, A man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. 
I would not have known him except that the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, The man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is he who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is the Son of God. Okay, so through these scriptures, how did John prepare the way for Jesus through his ministry? How did John prepare the way? For Jesus. He was the foretold one that uh, that the scriptures had said that Elijah would be coming before Jesus to prepare the way to make straight paths for him. In other words, in spirit, not, 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 not reincarnation or anything like that, but he came in the spirit of Elijah preparing the way for the Lord to tell people that you need to repent because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Yes, he did. I was thinking, too, that uh, part of the way he prepared <clears throat> those in in his uh, culture community was to introduce the, the concept of baptism for repentance, repentance being an essential element that precedes uh, giving one's life to Christ. So um, he, he introduced this um, for, for repentance, a couple places in the scripture, mm-hmm. he says this is for repentance, and of course they couldn't necessarily, in, in my thinking, be baptized into identifying with death, burial, and resurrection of Christ because Christ hadn't come, and when Christ hadn't, when he finally did come, then the people could see and experience what this repentance leads to and then faith in what Jesus had done for us. Yeah. There was still that repentance of that turning away from yes. from sin and turning to God and then being baptized. So that's a very good point. And John was the first one who kind of shook things up. You know, he, he was the one that, that challenged Herod. He challenged the Pharisees. Uh, I remember one scripture says, uh, you brood of vipers, do you think you'll escape the judgment because you're children of Abraham? Um, so he, he really challenged the status quo, which is then what Jesus continued to do. It's true. He certainly did. He let them know that the Messiah was among them, too. We saw that in the scriptures there in verse 26 of John uh, chapter 1. And so he was really pointing to him. You know, he prepared the way, plus he pointed to him and said, this is the Lamb of God uh, who takes away the sin in the world. And so we can see from the scriptures that people repented of their sins and, you know, they were forgiven. Uh, and they were baptized. But then John baptized Jesus. Jesus actually went uh, to John and asked to be baptized. And so that leads us to the next scripture in Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 through 17. And, and I'll read that. It says, Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water, and at that moment heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. And so, you know, Jesus was the sinless Son of God, right? But yet he goes to John to be baptized. Why would he do that? I think you read it, didn't you? Didn't what, what did Jesus answer? What were the words in, in the version that you read there? That he came to fulfill all righteousness. Right. And to me, I believe that one of the things that, that Jesus was doing was he was setting an example of what people 
after him should do because if we want to live our lives the way Jesus would have us live them, if we want to pattern our lives after how Jesus lived, that's something that he wants us to do. And I believe that part of what he did was show us the way. I mean, Jesus is the way. He showed us the way. There's something in, a, in all that, I think. Yes, I believe that. It's a, he's an example to us that we also need to be baptized. Was Anyone there anything else? substitutionary or the, uh, the word vicarious comes to, to mind for Jesus to do that? It was symbolic and example, but did he take on anything that was washed away through that process in your, in your thinking? My thinking is that um, he was being obedient the way we are supposed to be obedient and the sign of the Holy Spirit coming and setting on him like a dove, remaining on him like a dove was kind of God the Father's way of affirming, this is the person I want you to listen to. This is the person who is doing what I want to have you do. John, you see this dove? Remember what I told you was going to happen, John? Well, this is what happens. This is the person I want you to follow. And... uh, I could keep going there, but really we need to take a break for our sponsor and we'll be right back in just a minute. And we're back with Reconciling Grace. And right before the break, we are talking about the question, why was Jesus baptized? And if we wouldn't have had a break right there, Steve Wilson said that he wanted to give an answer. So Steve, why don't you pick it up right there? All right. So I've always seen Jesus' baptism as part of his priestly function. Uh, In Luke, it points out that Jesus was 30 years old when he was baptized. And if we look at, okay, what's the significance of the age of 30? Uh, in in the Bible, and you find in the Old Testament that priests were anointed at the age of 30. Uh, So Jesus having this dove come down is kind of his anointing from God to take on his priestly function uh, to to start his public ministry. So I see that as as God saying, you are the priest. That's a great insight. Yeah, Yeah, that is. That's a good point. Uh, and it did kind of kick off his public ministry because, as as you said, Pete, um, how the voice came from heaven and the spirit fell on him, and you know, this is my son whom I'm well pleased, and he was showing that he was uh, the chosen one. Um, but you know, it's an example to us, as we said earlier, uh, that we too need to be baptized because if Jesus, you know, got baptized, then we certainly uh, need to be baptized as well. Um, you know, it's interesting. Um, something that I know I myself don't really think about, you know, of all these years that I've been a Christian, is the fact that, um, well, actually, John chapter 4, verses 1 through 2, and I'm not going to read that, but just that Jesus' disciples baptized during Jesus' ministry, you know, and that's not something we really think about, you know, so much, but, uh, but that was going on even during his ministry. You know, we think about John the Baptist baptizing, uh, but that's what the scriptures say, you know, about Jesus himself. And then, of course, um, before he ended, ascended into heaven um, after his resurrection, um, he told the disciples in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 through 21, he said, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age." Now, this is known as, as we know, as the Great Commission, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Jesus commissioning them to go out and, and spread the gospel. But what do you notice about those scriptures? Do you see it as a command? 
Oh, yeah, because that's what Jesus tells us. As you said, the Great Commission, we as um, as Christians are commissioned to carry on the work. I like to say we carry on the work that he began by dying on the cross. He reconciled us to God, or he provided the way for people to be reconciled to God, and we are to carry on that mission of telling others about it. He said go, didn't he? Yeah, I was, think, share, I was thinking of um, what Peter uh, said in, in Acts 2. Uh, remember, he gave this sermon, if you will, and uh, resulted in 3,000 people being added to the number of believers. But Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And then it talks about the promise uh, of the Holy Spirit. But uh, there's a case where uh, Peter took the ball and ran with it. And uh, of course, there's other places in the Bible like Philip and the Ethiopian uh, eunuch, a, a baptism there. Um, not to digress a little bit, but Vicki, when, when you uh, were talking about the disciples baptizing even during the earthly ministry of Jesus, was mm -hmm. that John's baptism or was that the type of baptism we experience today? Wow, I never thought about that before, but I would think that it would, you know, I know Jesus hadn't died on the cross yet, but I think it was a matter of believing in him and following him uh -huh. and that they were baptized. I was thinking too that the, there's so much emphasis in the scripture about identifying uh, with Jesus. And this is a public, often when people are baptized, a minister will say this is a public expression mm -hmm. that I've identified with Jesus on I no longer live but he he lives in me and uh, scripture puts a great premium on confessing Jesus before men but mm -hmm. I still know of an, a lot of people who have decided for whatever reason not to get baptized but certainly the followers of Christ were instructed to go and do the baptism mm -hmm. for well, of the people in the scripture that we read here um, from Matthew 28, he said, go make disciples, but he also said, baptize them yes. in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and to teach them uh, everything that I've commanded you. So he is telling us to be baptized, mm -hmm. yes. um, isn't he? Um, but, but you're right. The disciples certainly obeyed that command. We see that in Acts. That's one of the scriptures, and there's other scriptures as well. Um, but that just you know carried forth because that was... Uh, the will of God and the command of Jesus Christ. It kind of makes me wonder when Mick brought that up, and I don't want to get too far off track here, but uh, it started getting me to thinking if Jesus wasn't the one who baptized, as it said, well, who baptized the disciples? But then again, Andrew and John were followers of John the Baptist. So I wonder if Andrew and John started doing the baptisms of the other 12, and then the other 12 started baptizing everybody else. It's just one of those things that the Bible is silent on. And I sometimes like when the Bible is silent because it means there are different possibilities and there's no one right way that the Bible tells us we have to do it in this particular manner. <laughs> True. Huh. That's the thing about studying the Word of God. It just makes your mind go and you start thinking, well, what about this? Yep. <laughs> and that's what, one of the things that makes it so exciting. Uh, but I think that we can see from the scriptures that we've read and the discussion that we've had um, that we are to be baptized you know, after we're saved. Um, God sent John to preach a, the message of repentance and to baptize you know, with water. Uh, and then Jesus himself was baptized, which is our great example. Uh, Jesus preached uh, repentance himself. 
Um, and Luke, it tells us, he said, I think it's 13.1, he said, repent or you'll perish, you know. And so he was preaching repentance and belief in him, and, and his disciples were baptizing people. And, of course, in Acts, they were doing that as well when the church began, uh, and that practice continued. And so, uh, but baptism doesn't save us, right? You right. Know, we know that Jesus is the one that saved us. So how would you describe then what is baptism then? What's it for? I think it's a public statement. I think we are told not to be ashamed uh, of the gospel. Uh, Jesus said, whoever is ashamed of me and my word, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory, etc. We are encouraged to um, profess Jesus as, as Lord and Savior. It's not something you keep in a closet inside your heart. Right. And so I think the, the main purpose, aside from the, the commitment to Jesus, is for the fellowship of believers to see, yes, here's a fellow believer, and uh, it, it just signifies the relationship and the change that's taken place. Yes, it does. A classmate of mine said, uh, sacraments are like the handshake to your hello, uh, meaning it's, it's a physical representation uh, of, of what's going on in your heart and your mind. Right. It makes it more real to you. It, uh, it has that, that physical touch uh, to what's going on. Um, if I can use sexual language, it's like consummating the marriage. It, it just adds, that, adds more depth to the relationship, in this case, your relationship between you and Jesus. I like that. You know, we wash our bodies to be clean, you know, right, with water. And, you know, this symbolizes the cleansing uh, of our sins. And so it's a, it's a, a great event, actually, uh, in our lives, right, mm -hmm. when we were baptized. Um, but then there's the, the mode of baptism, and people have different views of that, and we certainly respect uh, everyone's views. Um, some people believe that you can only be uh, immersed in water, um, and in believing that, you know, when you go under, uh, then that's being dead to sin. And when you come back up, then you have uh, this new life. And I know I myself was dunked right into the high river, you know, and come back up, you know. <laughs> uh, but uh, there's also many churches, though, that believe that you can sprinkle or, or pour uh, or, or immersion either way. But it's interesting that in uh, Matthew chapter 11, verse 7, Jesus was uh, speaking to people about John the Baptist. And he said, what did you see as you went out into the wilderness? A reed shaken by the wind? And so, you know, from that, it's quite possibly that he was dipping this reed uh, in the water and then sprinkling that uh, on mm. the people. I mean, what do you think about that? I had never associated that with baptism, but that makes a whole lot of sense. I just thought it was a symbolic thing about, did you go out to see somebody who uh, was vacillating in some way, shape, or form, or maybe you could trick into some type of uh, uh, saying something wrong that the Pharisees could then chastise him about. But that's a, that's a great bit of symbolism there. Yeah, it, it wasn't my thought. I just was studying on this, and I saw that, and I thought, well, you know, I'd ask you what you thought about that. Um, but it's, it's quite possibly true. There was um, someone in our church, and uh, she was a young teenager, about 15, and uh, she got saved and given her heart uh, to Jesus. And uh, I started discipling her, taking her through the a basic Bible study uh, program. And we got to the part talking about baptism, and, and I explained you know, baptism to her, and she had a desire uh, to be baptized. 
and uh, she said she knew we had a baptismal uh, there in our sanctuary, uh, and she had that fear of being immersed in the water. She was one of those that just was not going to do that, um, to be baptized. And so I explained to her that, you know, we also believed in uh, sprinkling or pouring, and so uh, that was her heart's desire. She wanted to be baptized. Um, and so a couple weeks later, you know, we had a service where I brought her up in front of the church, and I had a little bowl there uh, with some water in it. And uh, it was a great service. She gave her testimony of how she gotten saved and her love for the Lord. Uh, and then when I baptized her, I just kind of scooped my hand in the water and then, you know, put that on her head. Um, and so, you know, um, I myself believe that it doesn't matter if you're sprinkle or pour or immersion. I respect other views. You know, people have our own different views uh, of how we feel about that. But I think that that does take into consideration uh, of people that would not be baptized if they only had to be immersed. I think there are some people who, actually some denominations who are very specific about mode of baptism. Um, others aren't. I know in the Church of the Nazarene, our history is such that uh, we say, well, sprinkling or pouring or immersion is whatever. I, I, I remember it was, I don't remember which one, but a district, super, rather a general superintendent from way back in the old days said, we just want all people to get some water somehow. <laughs> and that's, that's how he described how we want them to be baptized. Now, one of the things that... Um, we didn't get into, if you noticed at the beginning, I did not share my baptism testimony because I didn't know if we'd have time to get into this. But the Bible does talk about one Lord, one faith, one baptism. And when I was six weeks old, my parents had me baptized. And I've struggled with this over the years saying, does that really count? Because I wasn't a believer. And there were times when I was thinking, I need to maybe just have somebody baptize me. I need to go do this again, be re rededicated, rebaptized, however that might be. But the Lord gave me personally a peace in my heart and kept reminding me of that scripture, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. So personally, I have not felt the need to have to go back and get rebaptized, And then, Steve, you said something a little bit ago about how this kind of goes along with another Jewish rite. Right. It goes along with circumcision, where in the Old Testament, God commanded uh, people to be circumcised, whether they entered the Israel community as a child or as a convert to Judaism. If you were a male, you had to be circumcised. And now the New Testament doesn't command circumcision, but it does command baptism. And one of the things that I love about that is baptism opens that right into the community uh, for women, too. It's not just a male thing. It's, it's everyone is welcome mm -hmm. uh, to take, take this ritual and become part of this faith community, uh, whether you, you know, believe in infant baptism, if that's okay or not. Uh, everyone can enter into this faith community through baptism. Yeah, that's great. I like that. You know, I think the most important thing is that we are baptized um, and have that confirmation, you know, in our own hearts, uh, in accordance with the scriptures and with the will of God. I think that's a really important thing for us to remember because there are so many things that Christians have in common, namely that Jesus died for us, that we believe in Jesus Christ is the only way to forgive our sins, and yet we can seem to find ways to disagree and to separate ourselves from, from other believers in Christ. But the key is that it is one God who is the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, 
and who sent his Holy Spirit to indwell us as believers, to empower us, to give us that love towards God and towards others, and to be his witnesses and to carry out his mission, as we already talked about, which was to see other people reconciled to God. And uh, speaking of reconciled, that's the name of our program is Reconciling Grace. And we have several people here who have been fairly regular panel members with us, and I'm glad to have each one of them. Steve Wilson, Mick Wells, Vicki Cundiff, you did a great job today. At, uh, yeah. This was your first uh, time kind of leading us in, in, a, in a Bible study, and you did a great job just letting you know, our, our listeners, that if you have something you'd like to hear discussed, please send us an email. Send it to rg at faithandfriendsradio.com. For Steve Wilson, Mick Wells, and Vicki Cundiff, this is Pete Vecchi. May God bless you. This has been Reconciling Grace. Join us again next time as our panel discusses biblical truths centered around the reconciling grace of Jesus Christ.